I'm British, and you're listening to Pancake Sports. Welcome to our post-Super Bowl episode. If you listened to our last episode, you know our take and our thoughts on who would win, which was Brady losing six times, was incorrect. Brady pulled it out again in probably the most boring Super Bowl ever. But before we get to that, I'd like to introduce you to somebody new. We got Dr. T in the building. Dr. T, say hi. Hello. (laughs) Dr. T's in studio with us today, is going to co-host with me on, on this episode. And so, back to the Super Bowl. Did you, Dr. T, did you think, did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Did you think it was interesting? I did not think it was interesting, but I thought the good thing was there's a lot of defense, which we have not seen in the past. Do you enjoy watching defense? Yes, but for the Super Bowl, I feel like it would have been, I wish it was more scoring. Yeah, I mean... Nobody, you listen to all the experts, all the people on TV, people on radio predicting who they think is going to win the game. Nobody had that game being three to nothing at halftime. No. Not at all. (laughs) Nobody had that. And how, okay, so the Patriots are what, giving up like 28, 30 points a game all season. And then they come out with possibly against one of, against, probably the best offense in the NFL, maybe second best behind the Chiefs this year. Yeah. And they shut them down. Maybe one of the best defensive performances we've ever seen in a Super Bowl. How does that happen? How does a defense that's not been very good all year all of a sudden be incredible in the Super Bowl? I just don't I don't I don't understand. I don't it's like they trick us all year. I think that's what the Patriots do. They just trick us. I think it's leadership and Belichick. And then Brady somehow just, like, comes out and gets that defense fired up. But Belichick's there all year. Why aren't they doing that all year? Why do they somehow, in the biggest games, they just always come out and play? It's the Patriots. Patriots. (laughs) It's the Patriots. (laughs) Patriots. So, here's the question I'd like to pose. After this win, does this officially make Brady... To uh, reference Joy here, make Brady the boat the best of all time. No. I think he already has um, made himself in that category. So you think even if he would have lost this Super Bowl, he was already the best of all time? It would have put him down, but I would think he would still be in that conversation. Okay. See, as you know, if you're a frequent listener to this podcast, you know I am probably the biggest... Brady hater there is. I'm not a fan of Tom Brady whatsoever because I'm a big fan of Peyton Manning. And I believe that if Brady would have never thrown a football, if Brady would have decided to be a professional bowler instead of a professional football player, that Peyton Manning would have at least five or ten more Super Bowl rings. I might be exaggerating a little bit, but that's that's what I think. So because of that, I do not like Tom Brady, but I cannot argue that this man possibly... I don't know. So how do you define best? Is he the best athlete to ever play quarterback? No. Is he the best person to ever throw a football? No. Is he the smartest? No. 
but I think he's had the best career. He's good enough at all those things that he's had the best career of any quarterback, and I don't think you can you can really argue that. Totally. Yeah. So Dr. T is in agreement with me. So Super Bowl was super boring, and and the Patriots pull out, even though Brady wasn't that good in the. No, he wasn't. I mean, he what fifty percent completion? Yeah. I mean, it was horrible in the first half. Had an interception. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. I know. I mean, he he threw for a hundred yards to Julian Edelman's beard, but. Uh, I mean, that beard. Yeah. Had a big one. <laughs> that that, that, that beard. That beard was the was the real MVP of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, the Patriots do not win that game without Julian Edelman's beard. No, not at all. However, I think. That pass to Gronk um, before to get him down close to the goal line before they scored the last touchdown, that might be one of the most clutch passes we've seen in a Super Bowl. I mean, I, even though it won a touchdown, you you might put it up there with Roethlisberger's pass in the Super Bowl to win against the Cardinals. Yeah. I don't know. You wouldn't really say Manning's pass to the guy that caught it on his helmet that I can't remember his name right now. Wait, Manny? Eli. Oh, yeah, Eli threw it to a... I don't know, it's called a head... head not helmet snatch or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that, that pass. That was more of a great catch than a great pass. <laughs> but, I mean, Brady's pass, it was amazing. I mean, it was in the perfect place, right over the defender, right to Gronk. Crazy. So, again, we've already asked the question. We've got to ask again. How do the Patriots keep... Winning. How in in a league, the NFL, where it's designed for parity, it's designed for there not to be one team that just consistently wins because of the way the draft's set up, where the worst record gets the highest pick. Every you've got the salary cap where every team has the same amount of money that they can spend. Every team's playing under the same rules. How does one team? Just do it so much better than all the other teams over a 20-year period. How is that possible? We haven't seen anything like that in professional sports, period. I mean, outside of, at times, I guess, the Yankees' dominance or the Celtics' dominance back when they were only, like, six teams in the NBA. But, I mean, in in the the modern day, we have not seen that kind of dominance by one organization – in professional sports, especially a salary-capped professional league, how, Doctor T, how, how do you how do you think? I've got some thoughts. What are, what are your thoughts? I really don't know. That's that's like a super hard question. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have some theories on how the Patriots are doing this. First of all, first thing you have to do if you want to be a dominant football organization in the NFL is you need to get a superstar quarterback who's married to someone that makes five times as much as him. So then you don't have to pay him a lot of money. So you can pay other players money or get more players, which is what they have in Tom Brady. Second way is to just get a bunch of players that are either... Good players that have got in trouble or players that are like on there, like they need, they, they're looking for another chance. 
you get them, you don't have to pay them a lot of money. They do well for you because they want to make a lot of money. And then when it's time for them to get paid, you just let them go somewhere else. And that seems to be what the Patriots have done for, like, I think those two things along with other things. Obviously, also having probably the best football mind is your head coach doesn't hurt. Dr. T, I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Who do you think is a better football mind? Belichick or Saban? Mm-hmm. Saban. How? How do you think? How? How? Explain yourself. Well, he doesn't lose as many championships as Belichick does. And uh, like Belichick won the championship this year and Saban lost. Yeah, that's this year. And Belichick has a 40-year-old superstar, the goat or the boat of football who played. And Saban has like a first-year starter that won the national championship last year. Well, because Saban gets 40 boats a year with his recruiting. See, I think it's Belichick because Saban couldn't do anything in the NFL. And Belichick has been able to do it with a salary cap whereas Saban I mean you don't really have a salary cap in college because Saban can just go out and literally get as many of the best players as he wants Belichick can't do that so I think I won that argument (laughs) coming soon the new argument (laughs) so I guess we can agree that the Super Bowl was awful this year because Brady won, and it just wasn't. There was what, like, are there, I, count, I think I counted at least 950 punts during that game. I know there's a yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of punts, and no, nobody likes that. So moving on from the NFL to probably more of Dr. T's wheelhouse, which would be college football. If you've lived under a rock this week, um, then you don't know that. This past Wednesday was National Signing Day, which historically is the day where the majority of college athletes, football players especially, sign their letters to where they're going to play their college football. The past two years, they've had two signing days, one in December and one this past week. And so the one in December has become the last few years bigger than the one that happened this this past week, but it's still it's still kind of a big deal. And we now know the final recruiting rankings, and I'll just name off really quick your top ten. Okay, this is according to 24/7 Sports or 247, however you want to say that. Even though it's definitely two different colors, so I'm pretty sure it's 24/7 in their logo. Yes, 24/7. Yeah. I like, I, okay, Dr. T, I like calling it 247 sports. They're ranked 247th out of sports. Anyway, um, so <laughs> number one, of course, Alabama. Number two, Georgia. Three, Texas. Four, Texas A&M. Five, LSU. Six, Oklahoma. Seven, Oregon. Eight, Michigan. Nine, Florida. Ten, Clemson. We'll go to 12 for no reason. I just like the number 12. 11, Auburn, and 12, Tennessee. What Dr. T, what was the biggest surprise? What's what's a team you see up there in those those high rankings that surprise you? Maybe Texas and Texas A&M. 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, historically, you think of both those schools as as good recruiters, and you think of the talent that you find in the state of Texas. But the past probably 10 years or so, especially Texas just hasn't done great in recruiting. Um, Texas is riding a lot of momentum, it seems like. They had a really good season. And then Texas A&M is benefiting from having a – what's their coach's name? Tom Herman. No, Texas A&M. Oh, uh, oh, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo Fisher. I knew it was – I was wanting to call him Gumbo something. Gumbo, Jimbo. Gumbo Fisher. Jackbo. Gumbo Fisher. That's what we're calling him now, Gumbo Fisher. Um, he, he did well recruiting at Florida State, so it's really no surprise that he's he's there. Um, Oregon is a surprise to me, I think. They're at number seven. Um, Tennessee is a surprise. Tennessee started off the day Wednesday at number 16 and moved all the way up to number 12. I think that was – obviously, I'm a little biased being a Tennessee fan, but that was, that was a, a, a surprise. Yeah, very much. No. So that's basically all the analysis you need when it comes to recruiting. Alabama's good. Everybody else is trying to play catch up. Um, catch up with a C, not catch up with a K. Now I'm hungry. You're hungry? Yeah, that's a catch up joke. Uh, <laughs> 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 and Dr. T just got the joke. Um, <laughs> so that was Wednesday. Thursday, yes, yesterday from when we're recording this, Thursday was the NBA trade deadline, which if you don't understand the word trade or deadline, basically what that is, is that's the last day you can swap one of your players for another team's players. So we had some, um, some interesting trades going down. I don't think there were any just shockers. I think everybody was kind of waiting to see where Anthony Davis would go and he's still in New Orleans, whether he plays this year or not. Uh, that's yet to be determined. But there there were some interesting trades. Maybe not team-changing trades, but probably the, the one that pops out at me being a Grizzlies fan is that the Grizzlies traded their longtime star, Mark Gasol, to the Raptors for Giannis Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, and CJ Miles in a 2024 second round pick. Um, the Grizzlies also acquired Avery Bradley and they traded uh, Garrett Temple and Jermichael Green for him. Jermichael Green's a former Alabama player. But, um, you know, I, I hate to see Mark Gasol go. Um, you know, I've, I've been a Grizzlies fan all of. A year and a half now. Um, I hate to see Marcus all go, but I'm excited about. I, I'm actually a big Giannis Valanciunas fan, um, and I know that sounds like a joke, but no, I'm serious. I really do like Giannis Valanciunas since I watched the Netflix show that featured him, and uh, that's usually how I determine what teams I like. It's just what documentaries I watch, and um, <laughs> that's actually how I picked Juventus as my favorite soccer team because there's a cool documentary on them but um are there are there any trades there dr t that kind of pop out at you no i think i agree with you yeah 
Markel Fultz was traded from the 76ers, the former first overall pick a few years ago, um, was traded. The Trailblazers got Caleb Swanigan from the Kings for Scalabissier. Um, that's just kind of jumps out at me just because it's a a uh, Kentucky guy there but yeah Clippers acquire Michael Beasley that's interesting Michael Beasley also he's a former I think he was a second pick overall so what you see here what we've learned is that uh, I don't really remember the last time like a, an NBA star was traded I guess Mark Gasol is probably the closest we've got to it, except he's kind of on the back end of his of his career. But I guess we shouldn't be surprised surprised that Anthony Davis was wasn't traded. It seems smarter for the Pelicans to hold on to him because because you, you think about this, the Pelicans say they trade they trade Anthony Davis for a draft pick, right? And you want that draft pick obvious to be the highest draft pick and whatever what's determined what determines how high that draft pick is is how bad the team that you're getting the draft pick from plays this year so if you're trading them Anthony Davis right now obviously that team's going to be better the second half of the season than they would be without him and so your draft pick won't be as good as opposed to waiting until this offseason and trading him for a draft pick that you already have an idea of where that draft pick's going to be at does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's our uh, trade deadline talk. Real exciting. Real exciting news. Um, there is some exciting news that's happening this uh, this month. I think it's this month. When did we see the first game was? Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's this month. Yeah. February 16th. Saturday, February 16th. The AAF begins which is the, did we decide what that stand for? American Alliance, Alliance of American Football, maybe? Yeah. Some, I think, like, Association or something like that. American Association Football. No, I think it's Alliance. Oh, okay. I think it was, yeah. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know either. New Football League, professional football. So, we've talked about the XFL before on this podcast. This is a different professional football league that's beginning and I think out of the two, this one really has more of a chance um, to to last for for a couple reasons. First of all, you have men that have a history in the NFL that are involved in this in this football league. I think um, I can't think of anybody's name honestly. The guys that run it, Bill Polian, yeah, the guy that ran the Colts for years and was on ESPN. He's one of the higher-ups in this league. Um, you've got a lot of well-known coaches. But what's really cool is, so, here, here are your teams here. Um, you've got the Arizona Hotshots, the Atlanta Legends, the Birmingham Iron, the Memphis, Memphis Express, Orlando Apollos, Salt Lake Stallions, San Antonio Commanders, and the San Diego Fleet. So, those are some cool places for, I think, football teams first of all um birmingham is cool that's a cool place to have a football team not just because it's not that far from us memphis is another large town with only one professional team one professional sports team um you got salt lake you got san antonio 
that's that's a cool place for an NFL team. San Diego, they just had an, an NFL team leave, and so now they're getting a professional football team. Another thing that's really cool is these teams, the players are are regional. I thought that's that's really interesting. So, for example, let me uh, let me pull up here the roster, like the roster for the Memphis Express I have right here. And you have guys from, a lot of guys from, you've got like Zach Stacy, the running back from Vanderbilt. You've got Rajon Neal, running back from Tennessee. You've got Stringfellow, a wide receiver from Ole Miss. Got Pig Howard from Tennessee. Like a lot of Tennessee guys, Tennessee Tech guys, Vanderbilt guys, LSU guys, Zach Mettenberger is one of the quarterbacks. Uh, Christian Hackenberg, he's not regional, but he's on this team too as a quarterback. A lot of a lot of guys that you might not know at the average NFL fan might not know, but me as a Tennessee fan, I know these guys. And there's a lot of them on here. You know, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, you know some of these guys. If you're an LSU fan, you know some of these guys. Uh, also, for example, the Birmingham Iron team, they've got their quarterback is, and if you're an Alabama fan, you'll know a lot of these guys. Their quarterback, they got Blake Sims, Trent Richardson, Trent, Trent Richardson as your running back. You've got uh, Quan Bray from Auburn as a wide receiver. Got guys from Tuskegee, South Alabama. Got Avery Young from Auburn as a lineman. You've got all kinds of guys from Alabama on the line. I mean, it's, it's just kind of cool to see. I mean, if you're if you're an Alabama fan, you know who Trent Richardson is. Yeah. You probably have at least one pet named Trent. Um, and so that's exciting just to go see these guys play. I, I think that's something really cool. I think that's something that's going to sell sell tickets is having these regional guys involved in this new professional league. And and it'd be cool. It's just cool to have you know football just ended. We just watched the Super Bowl. This is usually the time that everybody's, you know, trying not to to die from their lack of football. And now, a few weeks later, we've got football. Obviously, it's not going to be as good as the NFL or really anywhere close to as good as the NFL. But it's football. It's exciting. So, it's going to be exciting to see how that league does, see if it lasts. You've had many leagues that have come and tried to compete with the NFL um, I don't know if this league wants to directly compete or if it wants to kind of see itself as more of like a developmental league similar to the D-League is in the NBA or like a minor league. I'm not sure what their goal is, but it'd be cool to see something compete. Um, you've had leagues in the past, like the XFL obviously lasted, what, a year? You had the USFL that lasted three years until Trump ran that in the ground. Um you had I think the only league to ever survive was the AFL, and which we now know is the AFC, and it, it joined with the NFL eventually. Had it not joined with the NFL, it would have died. But so that's exciting. So you've got some football coming soon, and uh, how much we're going to cover it, I'm not sure. It's going to probably be according to how good it is and how much other stuff we have to cover. So, but that's all we have for you on uh, this episode on sports. So uh, we're brought to you today by Red Letter Clothing, redletterclo.com. Go check them out. They've got some cool, cool gear.
buy you a hat, buy you a hoodie, a t-shirt. They've got some cool stickers, all kinds of stuff. Uh, gr- great guys over there. Hope to have them on a podcast soon. But uh, go check them out. They've been great friends to us here at the podcast. Been big supporters of us, and we're big supporters of them. But uh, we'll catch y'all next time. Word. Word. Word.